We're continuing the series, it's number 12 today, of the Talmud. Last week was, Baruch Hashem, very interesting uh, topics, and today also, Bezrat Hashem, also very good. Uh, we are in Masechet Yomah, okay, we did Psachim, we did uh, Rosh Hashanah, we did Shabbat, we did Brachot, now we're in Masechet Yomah. Tanur uh, Abanan. The Gemara says in Masechet Yomah, the year that Shimon HaTzadik, which was a Kohen Gadol in Bet HaMikdash, the year that he passed away, it's in a second temple, he knew already that he's going to die. Right? After he came out, Yom Kippur, Yom Kippur, every Yom Kippur he goes inside Kodesh HaKodeshim. If you remember in one of the lectures I explained, that not every person can go there, only Kohen Gadol. And many Kohanim Gdolim, when they go in, they don't come out. Because the few minutes that you have to pray there, if you think about something you're not supposed to think, you fall and die. That's it, you cannot come out. Now what happened if a Kohen Gadol died inside? Nobody can come in and take him out. So they used to take a rope and tie it to his leg, and in case they see he's not coming out, they just pull the rope. That's how it was. So this is Shimon HaTzadik, which was a big tzaddik, big righteous person. He said to them, this is my last year. I told him, how do you know? He said, every year when I walk in, I see an image of an old person, all white, covered with white completely, staring at me. This year, you know, when I, when I went in, I saw an old man covered with black. So I know it's my last year this year. And he went in with me and didn't come out with me. The other one with the white one was always going in and out with me. And I know that said it's going to be a good year. Right after Sukkot, he became sick. Seven days later, he died. This is Shimon HaTzadik. Then the Gemara continues. The Gemara brings an interesting story about Kimchit. Kimchit, what's Kimchit? She had seven boys, seven sons. Each one of them got to the highest spiritual level that it's possible. They become Kohen Gadol. Each one of her sons. If you have one son that is a Kohen Gadol, it's, you, walk, you, look, you walk in the street like a peacock from pride. Ah, my son is the Kohen Gadol. All seven was Kohanim Gadolim. The Chachamim knew that it's not coincidence. There's something about her, that she had such a gift from Hashem, that she has such kids. I came to her and said, what is your schut? What is your merit? Tell us. We want to learn. What are you doing that you got such a reward? So she said, I'm very careful with my modesty. The walls of my house never saw one hair from my head. It's covered completely. Completely. So even when she changed clothes and everything, she does it in such a modest way that nobody around where she's hiding see her. Nobody, and of course, not even the walls of the house. That's how modest she is. And that's the reward. Rabbi Hanina ben Dosa. The Gemara now, is, it's all about one subject. We're talking about time of Bet HaMikdash. People goes to Bet HaMikdash. Okay. Rabbi Hanina ben Dosa is one of the Tanaim, very big Chacham and also very poor. So poor, he hardly have what to eat. That's how poor he is. The Gemara says in Masechet Ta'anit that 
רבי חנינה בן דוסה is reviving the whole world. השם announce in, a, in heaven that the whole world is eating thanks to this righteous person. His name is Rabbi Hanina Ben Dosa. And he, that feeds everybody, is eating carobs, haruvim, the worst food you can imagine. It's not even, it's like, supposedly it's food, but it's hard like a, like a piece of wood. A little bit sweet. It's very dangerous to eat it, especially today, because it's full of bugs and worms and have seeds inside. Believe me, it's the last food you ever want to eat. And there's nothing else to eat, that's what he eats. I don't know how his stomach wasn't cut to pieces all day to digest such food. But anyway, that's what he eats. He drinks water and that's what he eats. Because there's no food. So the Gemara brings a story about him. One time he walked on the street and, water, and rain started to pour on him. Okay, so he walks. So he says, The whole world is enjoying now and I'm suffering. Your son, Hanina, is suffering. Right away, a minute later, the rain stopped. When he got home, he went in. He said, The whole world is suffering and I'm enjoying. Now he's in undercover now. <laughs> so the rain came back. That's how the miracles that happen to him every day in his life was normal thing. Today, if a person has a miracle once a month, he's so excited. Wow, you saw one miracle? Somebody like him, every day, a few miracles like this, nobody is surprised. One time when the Goim came to destroy the temple, who was the head of them? Alexandros Mokdon. Alexandros, he occupied the whole world. He's famous, they teach about him in colleges even. He was a very famous leader. So he comes to destroy Bet HaMikdash. When he, when he was on the way there, somebody ran to tell Shimon HaTzadik. Shimon, as I told you, was a Kohen Gadol. Shimon HaTzadik wore his clothes of Kehuna, Kohen Gadol. He took all the important people of Yerushalayim. They took torches with fire and they started to walk all night towards the direction when Alexandros and his army are coming. When dawn came, you know, it was early in the morning, Amud HaShachar, before sunrise, they saw a bunch of Jews coming with their torches. So he said, now who called Alexandrus to come to destroy Jerusalem? There's a nation that called Kutim. Kutim, they hate the Chachamim, they hate the Jews, so they instigate. They say they want, the Jews want to rebel against you, you better destroy them now before it's going to be too late. So the Kutim is showing him the way now. They come to cooperate with him. So Alexandros saw the Jews, he asked them, who are those people? So he said, those are the Jews we told you, that they rebel against you. Once the sun rise, let's say half an hour or 40 minutes later, they came very close one to each other. When he saw Shimon HaTzadik, saw Shimon Kohen Gadol, he got off his carriage and bowed down to him. Saw him with his clothes. He bowed down to him. Now remember, this is the leader of the world. So the Kutim couldn't believe it. They say, you bowing down to this Jew? He says, every time when I pray before I go to fight and before I go into a war, for whatever reason, I always saw the image of this person and now I see him in person. I see this image of this person, and now I see him now. 
So he said to him, why you came here with these tortures? Why you came all the way to here? What happened? So he says, we're afraid that you're going to make a mistake. You want to destroy our house over there, the house of God. How can it be the house that we are praying for you and your success every day over there? This is your thank you, you're coming to destroy our house? Don't let this kutim fool you. Everything you heard from them is a lie. They say, who? Say, here, those kutim, these goim that instigate and call you in. They say, they are yours. Do whatever you want with them. Right away they took them and finished them up. And what did they do with them? They tied them to the tail of the horses. You know, the horse have a long tail. It's very strong. So they make a knot. They tie, I don't know, the hands or whatever with the, with the tail of the horse. And they started to ride. And there were thorns, woods, thorns. You know how it is. So they pulled them all the way to Argrizim. Argrizim is a mountain in Eretz, in Eretz Israel. Which Argrizim? There were two mountains in the Torah. The mountain with the blessings, the mountain with the curses, right? Argrizim was the positive mountain. The blessing came from there, Argrizim, facing the, the, the Argrizim. Then Argrizim was the, with the curses. So when they got to this mountain, they plow the floor, the mountain, with their bodies. That's how good it was for all this that wanted to destroy Bet HaMikdash. And that day, they made it a Yom Tov. They make it a holiday that day, that they did not destroy Bet HaMikdash. Then there's a book, it's called Yosefus. Yosifun, I'm sorry. Yosifun, that's the name of it. It's a very old book. And it brings a lot of secrets in it. It's a lot about Jewish history and the wars. Over there, they bring the rest of the story. The Talmud only told us the important part. But there was another part to it. What was the other part? Now when Alexander Smokdon saw Shimon Atzadik, the most important person in the world, is the Kohen Gadol, he was very curious to see Bet HaMikdash. Remember, there's no internet. You press a button and you see what's going on over there. Google Earth. Imagine today we have the third Bet HaMikdash, you can sit here in New York and watch what they do over there. The Korbanot, the Leviim, the music. By then it's going to be good sound, not like today, lousy. It's only getting better and better. So people sit home in their office, they see what's happening, Korban here, Korban there. Especially when it's different time zone, seven hours difference. They can start ceremonies over there and over here you can still watch it in the internet. Be special days. But in the old days, he had to go and see. So he comes to Bet HaMikdash, he saw the beautiful building, amazing. So he comes and he saw, right by Kodesh HaKodeshim, he wanted to put his statue. He say, if you pray for me every day, like you say, why don't you make my statue here? You know, the Greeks is all about statues. Why don't you put my statue over here? Shimon Atzadi got nervous to put statue inside Bet HaMikdash. It's a sin from the Torah. So he told him, no, a statue, it's not enough. We'll do something much better. I'm making tomorrow morning a decree 
that every male Jewish boy that will be born this year, from tomorrow until next year, will be called Alexander, Alexandros, after you. Ooh, he heard that. His ego went all the way up to, to heaven. And that's how they started to call the kids Alexandros, and that's why you have Alexander in Hebrew. Otherwise, it's a Goish name. What does it have to do with Judaism, Alexander? It's a Greek name. So you have Alex, Alexander, Alexandra, Alexis, all these names come from this name, Alexandros. That's the source of the name. We're continuing. The Gemara says, Talmid Chacham that lives in a city, someone who knows a lot of Torah, the people have, of the city have obligation towards him. Not because of his beauty or his wealth or anything like that, or because he's a doctor in a hospital. It's all everybody else can be. Doesn't have to be Talmud Chacham to be an important doctor. What are the obligations come from? From his knowledge in the Torah. This is already not respecting him, it's, it's showing Hashem that you respect Hashem, right? I give you an example. If the, if the son of the president would walk in now, who is he? Nothing. Who is he? Father, his father is the president. But aren't we going to give him nice attention and respect? If we respect the president, and when we see his son coming somewhere, we'll give him also respect. Maybe not the same like the president, but we'll give him respect, no? Why this boy get respect from us? Why? Because his beautiful eyes? He get respect from us because of his father title. Same thing here. When you have a chacham that Hashem loves him, and Hashem recommended very highly in the Torah to do for him, to serve him, to help him, to respect him, etc., etc. Doing it is listening to Hashem. It's nothing to do with him. Today it's him, tomorrow it's somebody else. It's nothing personal. I don't love you. I didn't come to help you because of you. I came to help you because I love the Torah and I love Hashem and that's why it's an obligation for me. It's mandatory. I don't really have a choice. So the Gemara says, Mikan letalmid chacham shebnei yiro metzuvim laasot lo melachto. We have a say in Judaism, melechet tzadikim naaset bide acherim. The work of the righteous people is getting done by others. That's a different thing than here. It sounds very similar. What does it mean the work of the righteous people is getting done by others? It means if you are dedicate all your life to, do, to learn Torah and to do mitzvot, there are many things you need to do. You need to do shopping, you need to, you need to get a car, so you have to work, you have to do this, you have to do that. So the job that you have to do is going to be done by somebody else, which means you don't have to worry anymore because Hashem will get you the right people that will do the job for you. But that's if you're really, really devoted you really do what Hashem said. If you have enough, nobody will do anything for you. But that means ashgacha, the supervision of Hashem, that people will do what you're supposed to do. However, here it's something else. Here, we are talking about their obligation to do things for him. For instance, if they have to make a road, and now everybody in the neighborhood has to come move rocks to the side, because the horses has to pass by with the wheels, with the carriages, so now they announce, everybody in this, in this neighborhood must come tomorrow morning and help to move all the rocks and make the road straight. Bring your shovel and we'll make everything straight. They're not allowed to let him come. 
No, 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 you go learn Torah. We needn't call you. What happens if he has merchandise? Let's say he's a diamond dealer on the side. Or he has some diamonds he wants to sell, or rugs, or carpet, whatever it is. He comes to the fair, to the mall, whatever it is, I mean, the show, and he brings his, mer his merchandise. Everybody else that sells the same merchandise over there, they must move aside. They have to move to the side, close their merchandise, close their boot, until he sells his merchandise. Once he sells his merchandise, then they allow to come back and sell what they have. What happens if it's a war? You don't, they don't call him. Even if they call the reserve, they don't call him. You sit and learn. We don't disturb you. So basically you see that he has hardly any obligations for the people. What happens if they have taxes? Let's say the goyim come. It was very, very common that the goyim come to a Jewish city and they say, we, have, we give you 48 hours to raise half a million dollar taxes on the people of this city. Whenever they want, the king sends a, a note, somebody comes with the soldiers, with a horse, he gives it to the chief rabbi or whoever, you have 48 hours, you have to come up with this money. Now, let's say you have 20,000 people living in the city, uh, I don't know, 4,000 families, whatever, now each family has to give a an, an equal amount, right? So the Talmidei Chachamim, they leave them alone, they don't take taxes from them. I once told the story, that in Tiberia, in Tsipori, Tiberia, it's very close cities, the, the, the king wanted to get a necklace full of diamonds. It was a lot of money. So he came to the city of the Jews, he said, and that day it's going to be my birthday, I would appreciate to get a necklace for you. Which means if you don't give me the necklace, you won't be alive the next day. <laughs> I don't give you that much of a choice. So now Rabbi, Rabbi Uda Anasi, that wrote the Mishnah, he says that only the business people and the people who goes to work will pay for this necklace. Those who sit and learn Torah don't have to give a penny. So the people who work got very angry. Today we have the same arguments in Israel this week. They want to give a thousand shekel, which is about $250, about, to the people who sit and learn Torah to help them. If, if they have more than three children and the wife does not work, they get peanuts from the kolel, from the yeshiva. They want to help them out, not to starve to death. They want to give them $250 a month assistance. You should see what's happening today in Israel, how they demonstrate they don't want, let them go to work, close the yeshiva, we don't care, we work. They, they have to go to work. They don't understand that they live and breathe thanks to these learners of the Torah. The secular Jews in Israel, if they only knew that Everything that they have come from the yeshivot, from the Torah, they would not, would not know where to hide from the embarrassment of the nonsense that they talk. But ignorance is a very dangerous thing, so they speak a lot of nonsense. In the meantime, it didn't start today. This is something that was 2,000 years ago. But 2,000 years ago, they didn't say, let them leave the Torah, or what do I care? No, they appreciate the Torah. But now they have to pay a lot of money for this jewel, so they say, well, let them also participate in a toll. So Rebbe said, no, they won't pay. So you know what they say? They say, we would leave the Tiberia. We run away. We take our belongings on a carriage and leave the, the town. We, won't, we don't want to live here. He told them, you can go ahead and leave. Half of them the next day did it. Half of the workers, they took all their family on, a, on a horses and donkeys, and they left town. Now the other half that left comes to Rabbi Udanasi and say, Rebbe, uh, 
What's going to be now? Who's going to pay for it? Before, we were X amount of people. Now we have. We have to pay double. He said, of course. It's your responsibility. You have to pay. So they say, what? We're also going to leave town. You left only here, the yeshiva people. You won't have anybody who works in this town. He told them, you can go ahead and leave. You want to leave, you leave. They all got up. They met one hand together, and they left town. All the workers in the place left their homes and left town. Two days later, the king sent a messenger on a horse. He changed his mind. He doesn't want the jewel. So Rabbi Yudana Sirot, he said, do you see what I was telling you? The whole decree came for them that they don't learn Torah. They want us to pay for their mistakes. They have to pay for not learning. Hashem sent the, the goyim to take money. What do you think taxes are coming for? The goyim put tons of taxes on us. Why? Because Hashem is not happy from us. Where does it say it in the Torah? Birzot Hashem ish, gam oivav yashlim imo. When Hashem is satisfied from the way of an individual, even his enemies are in peace with him. They surrender to him, they're very good with him, no problem. When the problem begins, when? When Hashem is not satisfied from what we do. You know, I'll give you an example. A king, a king announced to his soldiers that on one particular date is going, is coming to review their base, a military base, hundreds of soldiers there. So the king sent them a message, on that day I'm showing up at five o'clock. It's needless to say that they're all now prepared preparing for weeks, cleaning the base. That's how it was in Israel. And they said the chief commander is coming. Right away, change the window, paints, cleaning the bathroom, changing the broken, the kitchen, changing the broken plates. I want to make sure that everything is supervised. Right? The, 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 the big boss is coming, no? That's how it is everywhere. So now they know the king is coming. So three weeks they're preparing. Now they see, the five o'clock, the king didn't show up. So the king, one of the soldiers say, he's running a little bit late, he's gonna show up soon. It's gonna take another hour or so. So it was such a hot day, the soldiers were all sweating from all day working. So one of them had an idea, I said, you know what, so let's swim in a lake. 10 minutes, we swim, we refresh, you know, we put back our clothes. We'll feel good, you know, like this, we sweat all day. So they all jump into the lake, they swim, you know, they, they refreshed. Oh, all of a sudden, they hear the, the horns that the king is in town faster than they expected. So all the soldiers ran quickly, ta -ta 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 -ta, run, 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 run. They all got dressed with their uniforms, fix their hair, clean their shoes, everything. They all run and they have to stand on line. You know how soldiers are. One soldier was a little bit slow. His shoelaces are not tied, his shirt is not buttoned up. So he comes also, he stands online, and the king showed up. 
And the king walked like this from all the soldiers up. All of a sudden, you see this guy trying to fix, try to fix his jacket. So right away, the king stand by him. Everybody over there said, this soldier is finished. It gadal with kadash Finished. So the king, for a second, made an angry face. You have the nerve all day. You have time to prepare for me. Now you're putting your shirt on. So the soldier realized right away what's about to happen. So he told him, your majesty, please don't get upset that I'm not 100% ready. When they say there is a delay, all of us went to swim. And then when they say the king is showing up, so we all got dressed. But by me, it takes slower. So I had two choices. I had one choice to run and hide. But since I wanted to serve your majesty so much, I decided that a good soldier is always to the service of his king, no matter what situation he's in. He's ready. And and this is the way I was. And I showed up to show you that I'm 100% faithful. So the king gave him a kiss on his head in front of everyone. And he said, I want tomorrow that you give him a higher degree. (laughs) What do we see from here? When Hashem is satisfied from you, nobody can touch you. The problem begins, you have problems, you cheat, you, you lie, you sleep, you do nothing. Hashem begins to send people to you. What do you, what do you think? You know, it doesn't happen by coincidence. So anyway, we continue. So the Gemara says, the Gemara says like this. A person that has bread in his basket is not the same like someone who doesn't have a bread with his basket. Why the Gemara brings it? Because we have in uh, in the Sefer Dvarim Ched, Deuteronomy 8, the Torah says, I fed you man from heaven. Bread is falling every day. I'm strict with you. I'm choking you. I'm torturing you. There's ways to explain this word. Leman anotcha. I come from the word inui. Inui means torture. Leman anotcha. Why am I making you suffer from this food? Chazal said that the food was delicious. It was a special bread that everything you think on your mind, this is what you feel. You want to, you imagine sweet, it tastes sweet. You imagine salty, it tastes salty. So wow, what's the torture here? There's a few different tortures here. One torture is that you don't feel something real that you bite. You know, when you bite your steak, you chew the steak, you feel the, you enjoy the, the chewing. Over here, it melts in your mouth. You just put it in, up, it melts. So it's like this cotton candy. You know this cotton candy? As soon as you put it in your mouth, it all becomes water with sugar. That's one problem. So they complain about that. Second problem is that not everybody felt the same. Depend who you are. If you were a very righteous person, it fell right next to your tent. You didn't have to go. If you were not righteous, you had to go to the open field and collect it. So the man was making the people religious. Why? If you want to be wicked in hidden rooms, nobody knows. Since you're not afraid of Hashem, so you pretend you're righteous. But what happens if they put a camera on your head and everybody sits and watch you on television at home? Like they have all these reality, show, reality shows. 
that they put camera inside the house, and now everything they see, every beep you make, they see what you do. So over there, if you won't behave right, tomorrow morning your man will fall far away. Everybody will see that you have to go. The people who go, they like put an X on them. I don't want to marry this guy. Look, he has to go and pick it up. I want to marry this guy. Why? As soon as he comes out of his tent, the bread is waiting right by him. So they were complaining about the man who, the people who had to go and pick it up. The people who had it next door, they're very happy with that. That's called Leman Anotchem. No. Rabbi Ami and Rabbi Asi, one says, Eno dome mi sheyesh lo pat besalo. Lemi sheen lo pat besalo. One person that has his bread in his basket, ready to go, it's not the same like someone who still doesn't have it. V'chad amar, Eno dome mi sheroe veochel, lemi sheeno roe veochel. The other one says, when you eat and you see the food, it's much better when you eat without seeing the food. And now I have to add one more thing to it. So there's two things here. I will add the third thing. What's the third thing? A person has five senses. If you eliminate two of them, he doesn't enjoy taste. Which two from the five? If you take away two senses away from him, he cannot taste anything. The eyes, the eyes must be one. The eyes, no. Huh? Nose. The eyes and the nose. If you don't believe me, this is what you do. You go home, you take Coca-Cola, orange soda, Sprite, seltzer, four different bottles. Put like a handkerchief around your eyes that you cannot see now which one. You have to do, you need two people. And then close your nose and tell that person to fool you. He doesn't tell you from which bottle he serves you right now. All four of them taste the same. You will not be able to tell the difference between Coca-Cola and Seltzer. Guarantee. Don't believe me? Go and try. Just tell me next time if I'm right or wrong. I did, it. I did it myself and I couldn't tell. And I have, Baruch Hashem, very good sense to flavors. Usually right away I know if my wife cooks something, what she puts inside, what spice, what makes it better what to put a little bit less next time, or to put more. It's people's, everyone has his uh, senses, you know? And right away, you could not tell. You could not tell. I have a friend, he's a cook. He has a problem with his nose. He had an accident, so he cannot, he cannot smell. Every time he cooks, he put tons of salt inside. Because when he tasted, because he cannot smell, it has problem with his tasting. He cannot, he's a cook. One time he had an accident, from that day, he has no more senses to sugar or to salty. If it's a salty food, you know right away it's extra salty. If it's sweet, it's like a candy. You know, full of sugar. Why? The smell affects you. Okay, no. So, the Gemara says like this. This expression is being used in different variation. The simple understanding here is a person that has bread at home is more relaxed than someone who doesn't, right? If you have bread to eat for lunch, you have food, not necessarily bread. Then you're not worried, at least for today, I have what to eat. I can sit and learn, I can do whatever I need to. Someone who doesn't have, in two hours he has to feed his children, he still doesn't have, his mind is not to learn now. His mind is to serve the table, no? But there's another hidden, hidden secret here. They are talking here about someone who has a girl and someone who doesn't have a girl. 
someone who is married and he has a girl, she's saving him from the sins, right? If it's a person who likes to go make sins since he has a wife and he's allowed to be with her in a kosher way, so automatically she takes away all his sins that he was supposed to do if he, would, she, he wouldn't have a wife. That's why they use this expression, pat besalo, because it's a clean language. The Torah always speaks in clean language. And when the Torah wanted to speak about, uh, it's called Lashon Saginaor. Saginaor in Aramaic means blind, blind person. What does it mean, Saginaor? It means he has a lot, of, a lot of vision. What a lot of? He's blind. The Torah always used the opposite things to, you, to make it positive. We'll give you an example. Uh, like the Torah wants to say the, that the, God forbid a curse come on Israel so this is the way they describe it and the curse will come on the enemies of Israel but who do they mean really? speaking about the nation of Israel but they don't want to even bring it up to bring it as a possibility to the enemies of Israel but everybody understands that they're talking about Israel or I'll give you another example when they speak about a girl that made a sin She's not married, and she went with a man and made a scene. So what's the status of this girl according to, eyes, to the eyes of God? This woman lost her kashrut, her, her uh, certainty of a kosher woman does not exist by her anymore. So that's called, in a way, it's a prostitute. Even though she didn't do it for money, prostitution today, it's for money. But in the eyes of Hashem, it's just making the scene, it's already prostitution. So the Torah doesn't want to use this word, so the Torah says Kdesha. Kdesha means holy, Kdosha, Kdosha. What holy? She's the last thing in the world and holy. But since the Torah doesn't want to speak about a Jewish girl in such a bad way, so the Torah says, Lo becha Kdesha. Kdesha, I mean, everybody understands, because the Torah describes what sin she just made. But when they want to name her, they name the opposite. You see, this is always a positive language. Same thing, you can say the glass is half empty, that's negative speaking. You can say the glass is half full. You say the same thing, right? Or one person came to Rav Chaim Kanievsky a few months ago. He's the chief rabbi in Bnei Brak in Israel. He told him, Rabbi, I want you to curse my brother. Put a curse on my brother. So the rabbi said, what happened? He said, my parents died before we came to Israel, we just arrived to Israel, they were in one country, and my parents left us five million dollars. And I came to Israel before my brother, and my, father, my brother said he has a way to bring the money to Israel without getting caught, without running into problems. When he arrived to Israel a few weeks after me, I told him, where is my two and a half million? He pretends nothing happened. He said, what are you talking about? You're crazy? I'll put you in a mental house. What two and a half million? They, they left only $100,000, nothing. What is this? You're dreaming? When did you see our parents had $5 million? Playing games with him. No matter what he did, he doesn't want to give him the money. What did he do? They offered him to buy a hotel that needs renovation, and the price of the hotel with the renovation, $5 million in a fancy place. So what happened? He went and bought the hotel in the meantime, and this brother got nothing. It's poor. There's nothing. He came here with nothing. He comes to Rav Chaim Kanievsky, he said, I want you to put a curse on my brother for what he did. So Rav Chaim Kanievsky told him, I never in my life cursed a Jew. 
and I'm not intending to do it ever. But I will give you a bracha, I'm going to give you a blessing, that the money that belongs to you will arrive soon to your hand. That's what he told him. Three, four weeks later, the hotel went on fire and it wasn't insured legally yet. Because in Israel, it's not like here. You call the engine, two hours two hour later, he sends you a fax, you're insured. Before they saw the place, before they know what you have, you can tell them anything you want. Until they send somebody to take picture, it can be three weeks. In the meantime, you're insured legally. Oh, Israelis are a little bit more clever. Right away, they want to see what you're selling them. Maybe it's nonsense, maybe there's nothing. They're not going to give you any document. They come, they evaluate the price. And they decide if they want to insure you, for how much, what's the premium, that's how it goes. Since it takes time, it's not insured, the hotel went on fire. Electrical short, the whole hotel is on flame. But the city, the city that told this brother, the thief, that they, after the hotel will be ready, they will use him and they will forward him all the workers, all the vacations, everyone to that hotel, because they appreciate that he took this neglected hotel and now he's going to bring business to town. It's good for the city, it's create jobs. So they promised him that they help him out. Since the hotel became like this, he went to them. Amazingly, they offered him a, a, a one-time help instead of the other deal for two and a half million dollars to fix the hotel. So at least, even though it was a crook, at least he had a Jewish conscience. When he saw that they sent him a check for two and a half million dollars, what could be more clear than that? He knew that Hashem punished him for stealing the two and a half million of his brother. So he called up his brother, he signed in the back of the check, he said, this is yours. Forgive me for what I did. And he gave him the money, and the bracha of Rav Chaim Kanievsky, a month later, that he got the money in his hand. It's the true story that happened. Why do you have to curse? The Gemara say all the curses that David Amelech, one of the holiest people ever lived, wrote Eilim, speaking to Hashem, have Ruach HaKodesh, uh, an amazing character. But he cursed Yoav, one of his soldiers, Yoav. The Gemara say all the curses that David Amelech cursed Yoav, even though he deserved. If David cursed him, he deserved it. But the fact that one Jew cursed another Jew, all the curses that David cursed Yoav came on David's children. It's like a boomerang. That's why it's not recommended. Why? What's the point? Not only it's not recommended to curse, it's even worse. If two Jews have a delegation, an argument about money or an issue, so one of them is sure that he's right. Usually both sides are always sure that they're 100% right. Even the thief is sure that he deserves it. But that's the way people are. But let's say one person really, really believes that it's mine. He is the thief, not me. He so he says to the person, Hashem will be a judge between me and you. Okay, don't give me. I don't want your money. Goodbye. Hashem saw everything. God's going to be my witness. He's going to be the judge between me and you. Saying this, opening your file right away, not his file, his file later, first yours. If you're blaming him for being a thief, when is your words will be effective against him if you are clean in the same scene? And if you're not a thief, then Hashem will take care of him. But if you are a thief, he will take care of you first. Why? For the chutzpah that you have. That's why I always... 
I always laugh when I hear when 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 I hear people talk. Why don't you go to that grocery store? No, oh, he's a thief. Let's see, his prices are a little bit more expensive. So he says, he's a ganav, lorkoneshan, ganav, he's a thief. And the person who speaks usually is a million times bigger thief. Because <laughs> that guy, maybe he's expensive. He charges 10% extra, 50% extra on his price. Maybe his rent is double. Maybe he gives more money to his employees. There's always reason for it. Maybe it's just greedy. There's a difference between being greedy and being a thief. Being greedy, it's a sin. Being a thief, it's a much bigger sin. But he's, this guy, he cheats his customers from left and right. Sell them fake one, this, that, stealing, cheating. <laughs> but I don't buy there. Why is a thief? No. Saying about him is a thief, and you are the same, oi, 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 what you bring into yourself. So the Gemara continue. The Gemara says like this. Rish Laki says that when a, when a person watching a woman, looking at a woman and thinking things about her is worse than the actual sin of making with her. Why? The actual sin can take 10 minutes, 20 minutes, an hour and it's over. The thoughts and the imagination of a person, it can be long and long and endless and there's no end to it. And not only that, the Gemara says, The filthy thoughts of a person when you look at a woman, even a modest woman, not to talk about a not modest woman, that's it's mainly her fault, or most of the sin goes on her. But I'm talking even if he's thinking about a kosher woman, whatever the case may be, just the thoughts is a very, very serious sin. The Rambam writes, the fools, that's how he called them, are asking, What am I doing? I'm not touching. Ah, Rabbi, look, not touching. Ah, how can I touch like this? You know why I put it, Rabbi? Just because of this. Before that, I used to go and touch. I saw I cannot hold myself. Now I put a big yamaka. Every time I want to touch, I'm embarrassed. <laughs> so he's thinking I'm clean. But what goes through his mind all day. Ay, ay, ay. So that's a worse thing. Not only that. A person that is with his wife, thinking about another woman, the kids are illeg illegitimate kids. It's called Ben Tmura. They don't have holiness, these kids. The kids that were created that night, one or two, whatever it was, Hashem Irachem. Not only that, it's considered 100% cheating. 100% cheating. It comes to Shammai and they say, you cheat on your wife. I cheat on my wife. I've been married 60 years. Not one time I put my finger on another woman. What are you talking about? Oh, no? Let's see how many wives you have. Oh, all of a sudden, you see all the models you see in 7-Eleven every time he come to buy a coffee. Then you see all the models on all the bus stops all over New York State. How many wives you have? This one and that one. Ooh, uh, even Bin Laden didn't have wives like me. Hashem, <laughs> you sure that all of them are my wives? That's what it is. It sounds funny, but it's very sad. That's why the Torah says, watch your eyes. What do we say in Shema Israel? People say, but never think what they say. Just think one time a week. One time a week what we say. Not every day. One time a week. The eyes and the hearts are the two organs that makes the, the sins. 
when it's involved with the ladies. Lo taturu, achare levavchem, vachare enechem, the heart follows the eyes. So lo taturu, don't follow the heart that follow the eyes. Asher atem zonim achareem. The Torah didn't say that you are committing sins because of them. No. Zonim come from the word znut. Making crimes. Why does it come from? From prostitution. The Torah already told you what the eyes and the heart will make you. Asher atem zonim achareem. And I don't want to tell you the curses that come right after that. But that's already curses from Hashem, not from the rabbi. You know? So people don't know. They do it, and then they wonder why my life looks like a mess. Then the Gemara continues. There's a lot of good advice in this page. Remember, we are in Masechet Yoma. The Gemara says like this, person that has pain in his heart. Pain. He had a fight with his wife. He had a bad boy or bad girl, they have chutzpah, they don't listen to him, they make problems, he lost money, the IRS sent him an invitation to come have a coffee with them. He has things that bothers him. You know, you see on the face of the people, 90% of the people walk in the street depressed. Doesn't matter what kind of Mercedes they have, they're still depressed. You know, the Mercedes take away the depression for one day, for half an hour, depends. Later they go back to their reality. That's why these people like to either sleep a lot or to take drugs, because that's running away from the bitter reality. Why people don't want to get up in the morning? A person went to sleep 8 o'clock in the evening. How many hours a bum can sleep? 8 o'clock he went to bed. Now it's already 8 in the morning, 12 hours! The bed is going on fire already. But 12 o'clock... Ooh, 12 o'clock? He's, he's already not sure what day is today. Why he wants to sleep so much? 20 hours he sleeps? 20 hours? Why is it? He doesn't want to get up to his bitter reality. He hates his job, or he hates his life, or he hates what he does. He hates himself. He hates everything about his life. People who love their, their life, before the alarm goes on at 6 in the morning, at 5 o'clock they're already practicing. Why? I remember when I was a kid, when I was a kid, every day my father used to come wake me up to school. In Israel, school started at 8 o'clock. I just told my son yesterday, he has to walk five minutes to his yeshiva from the house. Six minutes, seven minutes. Every morning I hear him asking my wife to drive him with a car. And every night before I give him a speech, I want you to walk. So yesterday I told him, you know, 12 years I walk to school. I was 12 years in the same school. It was double than what you walk. You walk six, seven minutes, I had to walk 15 minutes to each direction. Not once! My parents took me with a car or anything. Oh, I always had to walk. It was very normal. Everybody walks in Israel. There's no school buses like this. You walk, even half an hour, you walk. Rain, not rain, doesn't matter. The more spoiled you are, the, you want to get even more spoiled. It's never end to it. No end to it. A woman that have one maid, after a month, it's a very difficult life. Then her husband get her another maid. Then you say, oh, my friend has three maids. Now, that's why she's so fresh. Then she has a third maid, and she gets more depressed. <laughs> that's how it is. She always finds what to be depressed about. 
So my father used to wake me up at seven before he leaves the house. And you know how it is. You get up, as soon as you hear the dog, you jump right into bed. But in Israel, if you don't come on time to school, you have a problem. It's not a joke. You have no choice. In the last minute, you get dressed, you run like crazy, you try to get there on time. So, how did we get to it? We got to the school. How did we get to the school? We started from, nobody is, nobody is following. Huh? No, so, so I remember, no, so I tell you why, I tell you why. So I remember now. In the weekdays, when my father was trying to wake me up, five times he had to come. No, you up? Can I leave? Yeah, yeah, I'm up. Five minutes later he comes. No, you up? I wake up again. Yeah, yeah, I'm up. Five minutes again. No, you up? What, you playing games? Get up already. But Shabbat used to come. Six o'clock I was already running in the house in the morning. Why? There's no school. I was so excited. Ah, the day off. From the happiness. Get up so early, I had one horse. Not today, 5,000 horses the kids have. Toys, these. They don't know where they are. The house is full of toys. I had one little horse. Right away, I got up from my horse. I go, you know, ah, 6 o'clock in the morning. When you have a reason to get up, you're not lazy. It's all in the head. When you hate your job, when you hate your school, when you have a test, you're very depressed. You open your eyes. Oh, I wish I can just close my eyes for another week. And I don't get up to my be the reality. People who learn Torah and they love it so much, as soon as they open up their eyes, oh, I'm missing something that I love so much. Right away, they run to learn. They don't need somebody to push them. They love it so much. I see in my own eyes Rav Cook from Tveria. Three days he didn't go to sleep. Three days straight he sit on a chair with the Gemara open and doesn't go to sleep. Three days in my eyes I saw in a seminar that we had. Three nights in a seminar, he said from the beginning of the seminar to the end, except the time he went to the bathroom once or twice, sitting and learning. Once in a while, he was falling asleep for five minutes, sitting, and he hear noise, right away, open up his eyes and then Doesn't want to go to sleep. Why? You're so connected to the Torah, it's a pain to go to sleep now. He thinks, oh, I'm gonna miss now six hours of learning. How can I do it? Le'avdil, the people that make sins, they also don't want to go to sleep. The sin is sweet for them. They don't want to go to sleep. They miss the sin. So the Gemara says, If a person is depressed, if something that bothers him, what's the solution? Get it out. Go to a friend of yours, someone you trust, your brother, your wife, your rabbi is always better, you know, and you take it out of your... Like they say in English, get it out of your chest. You're thinking, why am I wasting my time with him? Anyway, can I, I need a million dollars now. How is he going to help me, this guy? He, he hardly makes uh, $200 a week. He's going to help me? No, there's no chance that he can help you. It's not about help. First, to get it out of your system. As soon as you say that and it came out, half of your problem is like over. You feel such a relief. Even though you didn't start taking care of anything. But just you say that, right away you feel better. Where does it say it? The Gemara. The Gemara says, Say it to somebody. And it relaxes you right away. No, we continue. The Gemara says, after you say it, 
There are two words, to write, two ways to write Yasichena. One with Shin, with Sin, one with Samich. Sound the same? Two different meanings, different spelling. Yasichena with Sin means Lasuach, to talk. Say it to someone. Yasichena with Samich is to get it out of your mind. Masiach edato. Forget about something and concentrate on something else. Two different words, different spellings, sounds exactly the same, one connects to the other. Yasichena with sin brings you the Yasichena with Samech. Brilliant. Then the Gemara continues, the Gemara says, Afar Lachmo. Nachash, the snake, the snake, everything he eats tastes like mud, like sand. Everything he eats. Even if he eats an apple, or he eats meat, a rat, or anything like that, always tastes the same. Always tastes the same. One time I saw beautiful research about it that the scientists did with snakes. You know, snakes, it takes them seven years, the pregnancy, until they give birth. So a lot of interesting things about snakes. The Gemara said that snakes are attracted to women. Snakes, when they see a woman, they smell a woman, they're very attracted to them physically. So the Gemara says, what happened when a woman goes to sleep in the old days? Today we don't have snakes because we are civilized in a city the way we are with traffic and this. So the snake ran away to empty places. And in the time of the Gemara, people lived in tents and, you know, one far away from the other. There was plenty of scorpions and snakes. So what's, how a woman protect herself when she goes to sleep? The Gemara say to put their legs over her bed inside buckets of water. The, the bed has four legs, right? Each leg, put, you take a bucket of water and put the leg of the bed inside that bucket. Why? Because the snake crawl, it goes by the smell. Whenever the woman walked, she left smell over there. Her trunk on the floor, especially in the days that they had sand on the floor, he smells it and he knows her, how to find the woman because he's blind, he cannot see anything. He doesn't have eye vision like us, so he goes by the smell. He recognizes the smell of a female. Once he gets to the bucket of the water, the water distracts him. He cannot smell anymore, so he doesn't know what to do. He gets confused, that's it. Or if a snake is running after a woman, is crawling after a woman, you may think, well, so the woman runs very fast. I have news for you. You know how fast they crawl, the big snake? Before you realize, they fly like a tiger. They go like this. Before you move, whoop, they choke her and at the end of Hashem Yerachem. So what's the solution? To take her top clothes and throw it to the side. As soon as she does it, it the smell of that move by throwing it on the floor will get him. It's like, it's very interesting. In the Air Force, when you fly an F-16, they have, uh, they have something that called flares. The pilot, when they shoot a missile at him, the missile follows the heat, right? The missile, it's infrared. It's flying after the heat of the engine. So when the airplane is flying, the, the missile, no matter where the plane is going, the missile is changing in the air because it's like a magnet. It goes after the heat. So how do you fool the missile? You send few flares down. The heat of the flares is just as bad as the engine, and the missile gets confused, and it goes after the flare, and the pilot gets saved. Same thing here. She throw one of her clothing, Whatever she has, a jacket, a sweater, whatever, she throw it out, the snake goes over there, it doesn't touch her. So I saw a research, which is very interesting. What's the research? They let a snake eat 
a big rat, big rat, and then they took a, also same big rat, but they covered the rat with diaper, but not the diaper, uh, the temporary diapers, the one time, the disposable that we have today. A diaper that made from real cotton. They took it and they wrapped the whole wrap, completely, the head, everything with this, and they put them together, and the snake ate the one that recovered with the cotton, with the wrap, just like this, no difference on the taste. With it, he eats it. He doesn't feel the difference. Very interesting. So Hashem said, the snake cares after he made Adam and Eve make the sin, that Hashem cursed him, everything you eat will be sin. Hazal asked, what kind of curse is that? He has sand, he can eat sand and be always full. Doesn't have to worry about his living, his parnasah. <coughs> Imagine if, we, if we're hungry, we can pick up sand from the floor, put it in the mouth, and we're full. Don't have to worry. Ah, oh, Baruch Hashem. No, I don't need millions on the side to feed my children and this. Baruch Hashem, we're hungry. Let me, oh, well, give me one minute. I go down, I bring a bucket of sand. Here, kids, come. Give me your plate. Finished. So it's not a curse, no? The curse is, I'll give you a story you understand. A father has ten children. One of them is very bad. All of them are good, but one is very bad. And the father has a million dollars, which he wants to give each one of them a hundred thousand. He's very sick already. He has few more days to live. And let's say a few more months to live. So he call up the bad boy and he say, here, takes out a check, $100,000. Here, here is your share, get out of here, I don't want to ever see you. Don't ever come to me, I don't want to hear from you, no phone calls, no letters, no. Take it and beat it, goodbye. So in a way, oh, he already got his money in his life. He doesn't have to wait until one day the father will send me the money. I got it right away. But everybody agreed that it's a curse, it's not a reward. They give it to you to get rid of you. What reward is that? This is a reward. Take and leave. Goodbye. We don't want to see you. Just take it and goodbye. Nah. So that's what Hashem did to the snake. Everything you eat will be sent here. Don't ever come to me for your food. All the animals, they depend on Hashem for the food. When you attack an animal, what's the first thing the animal does? Pick up the head towards the sky. Did you see that? Check in the... The first thing they do, they pick up their head to the sky. For a second or two, that's it. The animals recognize the creation. It's, it's instinct by them. They don't need to learn Torah, Gemara, Tehillim, Musar, Tunor, Hashem, Nad Hashem. It's the hand of Hashem, it's Yetzer Atov, Yetzer Ara. They don't have all this. It's automatically. That's what happened. Then the Gemara continues, even if he eats all the best food on earth, taste it like sand. The Gemara says... Everything he eats, he never have peace of mind. A person that eat a good meal has a peace of mind. He was very hungry all day. Now he eats, he relaxes. Ah, very good. Nothing to worry about now. You can sit now for two hours and relax. And the Atomi Yushevet. He has no rest in his mind. No rest. The Gemara continue. No rest until when? Still have to eat some sand with that. That's what it means. The Gemara says like this. The behaving of a people compared to the behaving of Hashem, what's the difference? What's the difference? The Gemara says like this. 
Adam Basar Vadam, a person that pick on his friend, upset his friend, run and try to destroy his life, right? He doesn't give up. He continues until he succeeds. But Hashem is not like this. Even when Hashem cares the snake, he still made him enough food to survive. What's, what is it trying to say? I'll give you an example. Let's say you have a friend. 20 years he supports you. you. You're a loser. You couldn't find a job. You couldn't take care of yourself. You have no parents. Whatever the case is. And you have a good friend. Every month send you a few thousand dollars. And you leave. Makes you deposit. Baruch Hashem. One time, this friend insulted you in front of your friends. Spoke bad to you. Whatever. Very big insult. From this moment on, you hate him. If something bad happened to him, you're very happy. What about the 20 years that he supported you and saved your life? It's over in a minute. You don't even remember it. What do you focus on? Yesterday insult me, let him die. I don't care. Baruch Hashem, HaKadosh Baruch is not like that. You make so many mitzvot. One time you make a big scene. Imagine Hashem say, oh yeah? Forget about all the good you did. Now let's talk about what you did last night. <laughs> What's the point? Baruch Hashem, with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, he has good traits, not like us. Ungrateful. So he is doing what needs to be done. The Gemara continues to give example. The snake comes down to the ground, he has his food with him. Go up to the roof, he has his food. Kilel et Knaan. Knaan is a nation. The, 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 son, the grandson of Noah. The son of Ham, he got a curse in a Torah. He got curse. He became slave, right? Eved Avadim Knan, right? Knan is it's a nation of slaves. What's what's bad about slave? He works all day. He has to work. But what's the the curse of the slave in the Torah? What does it say? The slave have rights. If the master eat. The best steak, he must give the slave the same steak. If the master sleep in a gold bed, the slave sleep in a gold bed. If the master has a special whatever mattress, the slave has the same mattress. Psh, he has rights. Doesn't need the union here to drink beer with chocolate donuts and read newspapers all day and make us stay in traffic forever. Union, union, no union, no business. We hold you from here, the companies are bankrupt. The slaves don't need it. <laughs> and now how you become a slave, what's the possibility? You come to sell yourself, because you cannot make money on your own. So you come to someone and say, I'm, tomorrow I'm going to be for sale in the auction. Please come and buy me, I want to be your slave. He come, he bid on you, you become a slave. You offered yourself. That's one way. Other ways, you stole money. It's not like today they give you a prize. You turn on 1010 News, hurry up! The laws of bankruptcies are about to change. Apply today. We will show you how you can waive all your debt and become free. <laughs> A school for liars and thieves, this country. And not only that, they announce it every five minutes in the media, and nobody even thinks, what's going on here? This guy owes money to people. What? This is their life. Come 
will teach you how to get rid of them. We'll clean your credit, you'll be new. <laughs> Please, in Israel, they're not so dumb. You owe money, that's it, they don't leave you. But over there, they took rule. With the interest and the things, they destroy you and never leave you alone. Here it's not good, and there it's not good. You have to find the right way. So, so the Gemara says, you see, the slave, he has rights. Hashem cursed him. But the slave has rights. No, very good. Even in the punishment, there's mercy. What else? Eve, Chava, was cursed. Right? You're going to be depend on your husband. You're going to be after your husband. If a, if a husband say to his wife, you know, honey, you gain weight, he destroy her for 20 years. Forget it. If he tells her, you have to learn how to cook for my mother. You know what happened to her now? If she can, she jump from the window. Go check how my mother do it. Take the recipe for my mom. It's destroying her. He tell his, his wife, go check, go, go learn from my, my mother how to cook. So, <laughs> it's the mother calling. <laughs> to give her the recipe. <laughs> so, so that, but everyone is after the women. They run the world, no? The whole world, billion, trillions of dollars. The lady runs the world. That's it. If a wife wants to get something from her husband, it's sick. Can I talk to you? <laughs> Two minutes later, she has a new car. <laughs> you know, they run the world. Akol ratzim achareya. Kilel et ha'adama, curse the ground. The life of everyone depends on the ground. Akol nizonim mimena. The curse of Hashem is not like the curse of a person that wants to bury you and never see you again. He leaves you a window. Close the door and open another one. That's the mercy of Hashem. When people come to Moshe Rabbeinu to judge between them, how does he know who is right? A husband and wife need shalom bayit. Today, every five minutes, phone call, shalom bayit, shalom bayit, shalom bayit, shalom, all day like this, shalom bayit, shalom bayit. I spoke, my last lecture on the website, I spoke about it for about 40 minutes of the lecture, just about the problems in the shalom bayit. We don't have time for this now, but Moshe Rabbeinu, supposed to today, compared to today, had an easy job. He didn't have to start investigate. He said, okay, go home, come back to me tomorrow. What does he do? He goes, when the man is falling, he see, if the man of the wife falls in her husband's house, that means the husband is right. She has to stay home. If it falls in her father's house, that means she's right. She takes the kids and goes over there. And Moshe Rabbeinu tells them, separate, because the old man fell over there. That means that's where Hashem wants you to be. Send you your food over there, finished. Okay. Before we finish, the Gemara says, "Ve'yatzam ve'laktu." This is what I said. Tzadikim yored laim al petach betem. The righteous people, the man falls right by the door, the entrance to their tent. They come out; it's ready. The wicked people they have to go all the way. What else? The righteous people, it's ready to eat. The wicked people, they take, they grind, they make, they hold all the preparation. Tzadikim lechem, benonim ugot, reshaim tachanu barechaim. The wicked people have to grind it. It felt like wheat. Hard wheat. Did you ever try to eat wheat? 
It's 5,000 dentists. One bite from the wheat breaks all your teeth. You saw wheat? How hard it is? Wheat? Grain? That's what it is. Now the Gemara says like this. The Gemara says like this. Amar Rabbi Yoshua ben Korcha. I think Rabbi Yoshua ben Korcha was the rabbi of J.C. Penny. <laughs> J.C. was in his yeshiva. You know, J.C. dies as a Jew, spoiling tefillin, everything. So one time J.C. went with Rabbi Yoshua ben Korcha on the way. They got to some place. They saw beautiful ladies standing there. So J.C. told the rabbi, Rabbi, look what pretty girls over there. <laughs> Even today, the, key, the student won't tell the rabbi, Rabbi, look over there, there's pretty girls. <laughs> what Talmud Yeshiva go with his Rosh Yeshiva? Obviously, that's not what he says. So, Rabbi, maybe you find me a Shiduch over there. Huh? Maybe you find me a Shiduch over there. So the rabbi said, Oh, you're looking at the ladies. Huh? Don't come to Yeshiva tomorrow. Go make tshuva. And that's how the problem began. From that day, we had the Inquisition, we had the, all the problems we suffer from the Christians, started that day. Send him away. One time he came back to the yeshiva, one, he wanted, wanted to apologize. The rabbi was in the middle of Shema Israel. When you're in the middle of Shema Israel, you're not allowed to talk or to, or to wink or to make any signs to people. And he saw that the rabbi stand, staring at me and not moving, not getting up, not telling me to come in. Oh, yeah? Okay, you don't want me back? I'm on my own. And he went and collected all the miserable people from the street. That's how it started. Even that's how it described in the New Testament, who were his students. He collected them from the street, and he became the Baba JC. <laughs> if today he lived, he would come today, put an ad in a Yediot Achronot newspaper, Tzadik Balair. I'll be in that shul from 5 o'clock to 8 o'clock. Please, everybody brings a lot of papelinos, you know, and come stand online to see me. That's how it was. That's how it started. So then the Gemara says like this. Lechem ogen, bread, they ask in a fair way, in a decent way. Nitan laem kaogen, Hashem gave it to them in a decent way, in an easy way, falling right there. Basar they wanted meat, what for? Desire. Bread, you need to survive. Meat is luxury already. Why? Anyway, you taste it in a, in, a, in a man. What do you need? Real meat? Ah, luxury. Desire. They got the meat, Sheloka Ogen. They were eating the meat and dying. An epidemic. Mikan Limda Torah From here we learn manners in a Torah. That a person, when he eats meat, won't be a pig. Lunch, breakfast, meat. Lunch, meat. Dinner, meat. All the time, meat. You want to eat meat? Eat at night. Not good to eat meat. Not for breakfast and not for lunch. Why? Makes you fall asleep. Meat is very hard to digest. T 10, 20 minutes after you eat meat, you begin to snore. Why? Why you fall asleep after the chulent on Shabbos? What's going on here? Because all the blood goes to the stomach to help the stomach in a very hard operation to break the meat, to digest it. You need a lot of energy. So all the blood goes to the stomach. And the head is very heavy. It doesn't get the energy that it needs. 
That's why you want to eat meat, eat at night. Anyway, two, three hours later, you go to sleep. No, so when you sleep, you don't need that much energy when you snore. You can snore without energy. Tanura banan, ubara shiricha basar kodesh. A pregnant woman walks in the street, in 42nd Street, and the Pakistani guy makes shish kebab. You know, in the boots over there, in the wheels. So she smells it now. So she smells either besar kodesh, meat that they sacrifice in Beta Mikdash, she's not allowed to eat. It's not for her. For the Kohanim, so she's not for her. Or besar chazir, or pork. Pork. So they come to her and they say to her, They tell her it's not kosher, or if it's Yom Kippur, it's Yom Kippur today. They talk to her to try to calm her down. Because a pregnant woman, when she has desire to eat something, is, is dangerous for the baby also, not only for her. The Gemara says, if there's no choice, en lecha davar sheomet bifne pikuach nefesh. If there's nothing helps. It's because it's a life, the life of a baby is in risk. Ah, if you need to eat non-kosher food to save your life, you're allowed. You have to. Unless if it's avodah zarah, the Gemara says, if you have to bow down to an idol to save your life, you're not allowed. Giloy ha'arayot v'shfichut damim. The Gemara asks, yeah, we have one last minute, so let me just finish this uh, page and we'll finish for today. The Gemara says, "Shalu talmidav et Rabbi Shimon bar Yochai." The students of Rabbi Shimon bar Yochai, he is the one who wrote the Zohar. Actually, Rabbi Abba wrote the Zohar. He was his main student, but everything what he was teaching him, he wrote. "Shalu talmidav shel Rabbi Shimon bar Yochai." Mipne ma lo haya yored laim leIsrael man pa'am achad b'shana. Why Hashem had to bother every day rain of man? Just one seir sent a pile of man. Everyone who wants to eat, come and eat and finish. They make a huge pile. You know, when I go to Toronto, to Canada, over here, if it's snow one feet, over there, 15 feet. <laughs> when you go there, a few times I was there in the winter, you see on the side of the road such piles of snow, it's like two floors building. So much snow. So make piles of man. This, these piles, if the snow was man, it's enough for millions of people for five years. The amount of snow they have over there. Over there, if you don't have four by four, you don't need it. You cannot have a car. You know, it's <laughs> Canada over there. So, so make a big pile and finish. Let me give you a mashal, an analogy. What is it like? A king, a man that is a king, he has a son, a prince. And he told him, once a year you come to me, I give you a bunch of cash. It's enough for you for the whole year. When would the boy come to see him? Once a year. So the father, all we're waiting to see his son, when will he see him? The day of payment. When he comes, he gives him the money. So the king saw, ah, what is this? No, no, no. From now on, every day you have to come and get your money. Like this, every day, see his son for five minutes. Same thing, HaKadosh Baruch if we we'll give us our parnasah, our living in Rosh Hashanah, right? Rosh Hashanah, you decide how much we get. The next day you go to your bank account, wire from heaven. Everyone is wire. Next wire, next Rosh Hashanah. Do you think one Jew would ever pray? Yeah. 
Most of the press today, parnasa, 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 help, help, parnasa, deal is not running, smooth, business is bad, what's gonna be, allow me, I wanna buy this house, I wanna buy, this business is for sale, help me, get me, do it, no customers coming in. If you wanna make parnasa, retail him in a store. Right away, the Satan will send you customers. <laughs> I'll finish with a story that happened to me. One time my friend, I met him through the business. He had a shish kebab restaurant in Queens Boulevard. So, in those days I used to work for a bank, so I came to offer him a service from my bank. I see an Israeli Yemenite guy. We sit with few Yemenites over there, drink coffee, speaking about Haenda. And we started to talk business, and then after I sold him the service, that's it, I became his second wife. Because <laughs> he doesn't know how to call customer service, so I became his personal trainer. Every problem he has, he called me. Well, how do I change paper in a computer? How do I do this? What happened? I pressed this button and the screen is like the whole day phone calls. I said, oh, I said oh, huh? so I knew it's going to be like this, I have to add a zero to the price for the long time service. <laughs> Anyway, somehow we became friends. From the restaurant, there's no customers. Mamash, no customers. No matter what time in the day I used to come there, empty. Empty. You see the whole gyro of the shawarma is still like in the morning. Nobody didn't cut. It's all black already. I feel bad for the guy. There's two twins over there feeding. Mamash the same face. You look at him, you look at him, you're not sure which one is what. Mamash a copy. And then another Yemenite guy that his wife was uh, in, an important lawyer, you know, something here. He sits there all day, drink coffee and smoke cigarettes and speak Lashon Ara all day. So about four or five people, the same people every day. Same day. Every time I show up, I see the twins, that Yemenite guy, and the owner of the restaurant, that's it. No customers. So, one time, one time, four guys showed up. They sit over there and they're really eating. I said, well, first time I see a table in this restaurant. Apparently, two of the guys I used to know from a long, long time. Hi, Leo, hi, Manishma, we sit, we talk, well, long time no see. I see none of them is religious. And I see not religious people, it's like the cat see a mice. Right away, I joined them. We talk this and that. Why you walk like this with the hair, this, that, go have a haircut. <laughs> We're starting with the hair. Say, so, you know what, I'm gonna take a haircut, no problem. Then we talk about what are they doing. They're working for a guy that, collect, that has a poker machine. In those days, it used to be a hit. They used to put poker machines in the dailies, in places, and collect tons of money. People gamble, and they make a lot of money. And he needs collectors to go to the machine and take all the cash into bags. It's a dangerous job, you know, you go to Bronx, uh, East New York, places with cash. When is the collection day, as usual, on Shabbat? How can I leave these four collectors, Mechalelei Shabbat, like this? I started to give them the speech of Shabbat. Right away, they got inspired, they said, that's it. We tell the boss, no more collecting on Shabbat. He wants Sunday, doesn't want, I don't care. <laughs> that's how the story was. After all this, 
after the boss paid me a visit. The mafia guy, the whole story. I said it in one of the lectures. I don't have time to repeat the whole story. What was his end in the end? If you're curious, you listen to it. But I'm just saying about something else. Once I started to give the Vret Torah to these guys, they say, are you here every day? I say, yeah, every day he calls me. <laughs> I have to teach you. Every, on the way from work, it's on my way. I stop here. OK, why don't we come again? We'll talk. I said to the guy, you know where you live? He said, in Bayside. Make me a lecture. Bring all your friends. We're starting to refresh our relationship. So I started to come to this restaurant. Now I have a class. It's this guy's coming. They bring friends, these two twins. All of a sudden, I have a class there around the table. So about a month, about a month, the class becoming bigger and bigger. Now we attach two tables. Baruch Hashem, it became like a mini yeshiva over there. All of a sudden, I see the place starting to have a lot of customers. <laughs> tables, people coming. So I say to myself, wow, the way things are, in a week or two, he's going to come and tell me I need a table. Exactly a week later, he comes to me. Achi, brother, forgive me, huh? <laughs> no, you're all sitting here, you're catching the table. Look, people are standing. <laughs> so I say, ah, how sweet is the word of Chazal. To prevent a Jew from learning Torah, the Satan will give you any amount you want. Just don't open your mouth and say the Torah. You want customers? When your, your business is dead, sit and retail him. Two minutes later, two Chinese guys will come in. How much? Right away. Why? The Satan go crazy. Look, the Jew has nothing to do. He learns Torah. There's one rabbi every morning in Shachrit. Every morning, not, not, it's not a fake story, real story. His wife was in a store all year. But twice a year she went on a show for one week. She goes on a show, and he's old, all year is in yeshiva. But the week that he, she goes on a show, she asks him to be in a store. So the week, twice a year, that he had to be in a store, in the morning he was praying to Hashem, I'm begging you, please don't send any customer today. <laughs> he wants to sit and learn. Customer, show me this, cut for me this, wait here. I'm begging you, please, no customers today. Today, Hashem, make sure a lot of people come today. The mortgage is due. Please, no customers. Different world, different people. Bezrat Hashem will see you next Wednesday. I was here today at 8.27. It was four, three, four people here on time, and then all of you came. Try to come 8.30. What's so difficult? 8.30 we start. We can finish earlier. Baruch Adonai Amen ve'amen.